I'm Kathy Bird, host of the new Fresh Art International show on Jolt Radio, Miami. This radio show expands on conversations about creativity that I've been recording with contemporary artists, curators, filmmakers, and architects since 2011 for the Fresh Art International podcast. Today is September 7, 2016. For three days this week, we're live streaming on joltradio.org from inside the exhibition pavilion of the 32nd Sao Paulo Biennial in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Our second show features artist Pia Lentman of Finland and the brief reappearance of Eduardo Navarro, an artist from Argentina who joined us yesterday. Both of their projects connect conceptually and physically with trees in Ibirapuera Park, a gorgeous green space that surrounds the pavilion. We hope you enjoy the show. We find ourselves this month in Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo, I'm learning to pronounce that O with an accent, at an exhibition that's the 32nd biennial of this city. And its title is Incerteza Viva, which means live uncertainty. And the intention of this project as an exhibition is that it's conceived as a garden, a garden with no hierarchy that's wide open for exploration, many of the projects you can touch and interact with, and there are performances every day. One of our guests that was meant to come today, Nofas Ramirez Figueroa, is actually performing in about 30 minutes, so he's already in costume for a performance called Heart of the Scarecrow. And this is a play, of this artist is from Guatemala, and he lives in Berlin and Guatemala City. And he's reproducing a play from 1962 by a Guatemalan playwright, Hugo Carrillo. And it's based on a new script in partnership with craftsmen and costume designers. He is producing this performance uh, inside the pavilion and in Ibira Puera Park. So with this project, he reclaims the memory of censorship in Guatemala and also the actual content of the play, which is vital to the history of theater and to political resistance in his country. The other events that are happening today are super cool. There's going to be uh, his performance, then there will be another one at 5 p.m. with Binet Fonteles called Agora Oca Tapera Terero, and it's conversations to postpone the end of the world. It's a program of encounters and presentations that he'll be presenting inside his installation, a space and a concept that's activated by rituals and different voices. And then at 6 o'clock, 6.15, we'll be heading over to the cemetery, the Cemetery of Consolences. So uh, Donna Kukama will be performing in a cemetery, a shadow play. There are three parts to her performance. You'll be hearing a podcast with her, an episode from Fresh Art International Podcast. You'll be hearing an episode with her tomorrow. We are broadcasting live on Jolt Radio Miami. And today, the Biennial Pavilion is full of people because it's a national holiday and the Biennial is free. Unlike 
some biennials, you don't have to pay to get in. You actually can uh, enter freely for all the days of the biennial, and it, it runs quite a long time until December. So if any of you listening are headed to Brazil, you should definitely make it a point to come to the pavilion and experience this show, which is quite interesting in so many ways. There's giant projects and tiny projects, matchbox projects and tall towers, things hanging. There's even a skate park just outside the pavilion in the park. Skateboarders are fully activating it. I've posted a few images on freshartinternational.com. Under Fresh View 1 and 2, you will see that you can see the projects by the artists with whom we're speaking. And that's pretty exciting. Named Pia Lindman, who's from Finland. And she'll be talking to us about her project, which is a super cool installation that is a built environment that you enter for special treatments, uh, medical treatments, or that are as much, I believe, spiritual as physical treatments, and she'll be talking to us more about that in a few minutes. My guest, Pia, has arrived. Super, come on in. I'm super excited that we're talking here today because um, Pia has this amazing installation upstairs and I was going to record with her there today but this pavilion is swarming with people and they're very excited to enter her space and explore it and it's very hard for her to have any private conversation in there. So I invited her to meet me for the show and then we'll go maybe a quieter day. I'll go and have experienced one of her treatments. Very good. (laughs) I would like to. So welcome to Fresh Art International. This is an audio podcast platform, but for the Sao Paulo Biennial, just for three days, we're recording live on Jolt Radio in Miami. Super. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. So you're based in Finland. I am, yeah, yeah. After 20 years, I moved back to Finland. Where were you living before? I lived a couple of years in Norway and then uh, 12 years in the United States, in New York mainly, and then in Berlin. Um, but then I actually moved back to Finland, yeah. Do you love it? Are you glad to be home? Um, I was really having a hard time even imagining myself moving back to Finland after all this time. But then uh, some family reasons made me return. And now I'm just grateful that that happened. Because as I, as I moved there, I was like, well, if I go back, what do I want to do? And soon enough, I found myself starting an eco-village in the middle of the countryside, in the forest, uh, building natural material buildings that I've never done, building a house for myself, and also studying this traditional Finnish Kalevala healing, uh, bone-setting technique, which really you can't learn anywhere else but in Finland. So let's talk about this. Her project revolves or is inspired by this 19th century Finnish epic poem. Well, it's an oral... But also some indigenous medical treatments or something? Explain. Explain. Um, From generation to generation, probably over thousands of years. I mean, Finland, uh, Finnish people in Finland and Sami people in Finland have 
been basically living as hunter-gatherers and all knowledge had been transferred from generation to generation by singing. So we have all these chants that speak about the beginnings of the earth, the genesis of life, um, but it also speaks about um, how to brew beer, how to farm, how to take care of animals, how to take care of each other, how to heal. All these things are in included in this oral tradition. And um, at the same time, with the, the chanting, the singing, you also, of course, did physical things, like how to brew a beer, you also brew the beer. And um, Kalevala healing is a technique, a, very, a physical bone-setting technique that has kind of accumulated its, its wisdom over thousands of years, together with the singing. And that's why it's also called the Kalevala healing, because the Kalevala is kind of the generic term for the epic oral tradition. I see. And when I came up to see you before to be sure you knew to come <laughs> for the show, I saw no entrance. Yes. So I've what was going on behind the, the... There was a curtain before the door of this gorgeous space that's built of bamboo and clay, which I suppose we should describe first before we talk about why no one could go in. Okay. Well, I mean... Um, I've had some issues with indoor air in, in contemporary buildings, especially because of um, uh, air conditioning, machined air, basically. And I've learned that if I build spaces with clay, I can actually stay inside the spaces of clay because the clay treats the air in such a way that it's much better for you to breathe. So I'm really talking about building for breathing. And the clay... Um, not only filters, but it also allows for microbes that are good for human and plant health to grow and live. So it's all about building a kind of a happy go cohabitation of microbes and humans and other things. And um, when I came here to Sao Paulo, I learned that there's a tradition of building with bamboo and mud, which is similar to this clay building. And uh, it's called Pau Pique, I think. And uh, so then I decided, well, I mean, it's not like I want to just impose my stuff onto another culture, but more like it's a dialogue. So I think it was a good moment to be like, I can learn about this tradition. So I made a design of how, what I would like the mud hut to look like, and then uh, local people who know how to build, built it for me. And I think it's really really wonderful it's piece. fantastic <laughs> yeah. let's talk about the scale it's big yeah it, it, it's the size of a small house perhaps yeah 40 square meters 40 50 square meters it's yeah. beautiful and it has window lights yes and plants growing inside yes. and uh, there's a bed sort of like a bamboo uh, platform almost looks like a massage table. It, it a is way. a treatment bench. It yeah. is a treatment bench, and that I would long to lie down on and get hurt. <laughs> you know, I think it's so well built with such great energy that I don't think I need to do any healing. You just lie down. You on just it. lie down on it. Okay, <laughs> I could have done that yesterday. Okay, I'm going back. But it's also the the mud hut also has been built in such a way that there's a quite big tube going out of the mud hut through the window out into the outdoors of the pavilion and then down into the root of a tree that's right outside and this this tree that's right outside I mean I chose the position of the mud hut because of that tree it's a huge uh, I think it's called Bolivian tree um, it's a it seems to be a very generous 
tree. It's huge and a lot of things grow on it. So it's full of life. So I think of it as a mother tree, you know, a tree that feeds others, which is what trees do. I mean, they, they, they have their root uh, network and then they have the mucorrhizas, the fungus that works in symbiosis with the tree's roots to transform uh, nutrients from the soil into something that the tree can use. And mother trees are actually trees that can um, signal and send nutrients to other trees through this root and mucorrhiza network. And um, I think this tree is a, is a mother tree. So what we are actually doing, because we have a tube that goes into the roots. Oh, and that's we, inside that wood uh, yeah, column. Yeah. Okay. And then we have two bamboo uh, pipes that go into the leaves of the tree. We bring in oxygen from the leaves. We bring in uh, mucorrhiza and microbes from the roots and also carbon dioxide, which is something that we usually, as humans, don't like. But the plants that I have in there, they actually like they it. They love it. Yeah. So it's... the. The mud hut is also a, a little bubble that's connected with the energy supply of this tree. And it's also a factory for, for good air. I think this is the mother load of projects right here. <laughs> you've, you've encompassed in your space at least three other projects that I've seen. I mean, the ideas in your project are in conversation with uh, Ruth Ewens, right? And... Uh, Eduardo Navarro, who was here yesterday on uh -huh. our Fresh Art International show on Jolt Radio, uh -huh. he was talking about how his project is talking, uh, listening to the palm tree and yes. waiting for the palm tree to say its name. Yes, yes, yes. It's I love great. that. It's fantastic. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I love it. We're really, uh, I feel really lucky, and I was telling uh, Johan Volz when I, I recorded with him a couple of days ago how. Uh, even though I know there's a, apocalyptic themes and things that are uh, maybe not positive here and there, overall the, the mood of this exhibition is very positive and very symbiotic yeah. with the world. Yeah. This idea of living uncertainty yeah. to me means embracing the imbalances in, in their way, being okay with that, not being afraid. Yes. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a fear-inducing moment in a way, all of that's going on in the world that we, we don't know what to predict one day to the next. Absolutely. Even more than, I think, ever before, at least in my life, yeah. there's all these questions out there and you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, and I think uh, that it, this is really like, it, it, it goes into everybody's private lives. It goes into your practices, into your moods and your health and, and how you feel. And, and I definitely went through like a personal transformation and it had everything to do with moving into Finland and, and then realizing that I need to look for other things. I need to look for other ways of doing this. And to me, it's all about creating other kinds of relationships. Uh, relationships with trees, with plants and animals, with the air that I breathe with other people. I was going to say, with other people, I think we're always in such a hurry to get to where we're going and to accomplish something mm -hmm. that sometimes we don't sit down and just have a conversation, which yeah. I, of course, have the podcast to do that, but I also am aware of my listeners' uh, short-term ah, interest span. span. <laughs> yes. But, so that's why I decided I'd love to try the radio show 
because it gives me an hour to talk to several different people or maybe just one person have a just hang out and talk yeah. and about important ideas. Yeah. So the shape of this is almost like a spider's body or something. I was trying to figure out a, like a, it's got a, a larger long mound and then a shorter mound, almost like a head. And the title of your piece is Nose, Eyes, Ears. Yeah. Why did you give it that title? Um, well, because I was thinking of uh, human senses and, well, uh, some other uh, animals' senses as well, but, like, basically how we... These are the, the first we think of, but, uh, I mean, I could, inter I could continue the title by saying skin and... Uh, Bones. And vibrations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it, it is kind of this idea that architecture is our body sensing its surroundings and all the different things that build into it. And um, actually, my first design was the shape of a nose. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, this is too little. And then I, um, I went back to a former idea where I actually was thinking of, a, of, a, of the shape of a bacteria that's just entering this modernist cube. I see. So it's an intervention of the microbial logic to uh, uh, a space that hasn't necessarily taken it into account. I see. Okay. And tell me what was going on behind the curtain when I came by to see you earlier. Yeah, I was giving a treatment, mm -hmm. uh, a Kalevala bone setting treatment. And um, the, the treatment... It's like a bone alignment, but also energetic. You, you do work with metabolisms and with meridians. It's a very holistic treatment, so you, you do work with the entire body. It's not like, oh, you have pain there, so I'm going to massage that pain. It's more like I'm going to look at what in your entire body is sort of participating in the fact that right there is where it expresses its pain. Because it's usually not where the pain is, where you also need to sort of align things. So it, tans it takes time and it takes concentration. It's a, it's a meditation for me, as well as I hope for the person receiving the treatment. So how long would the treatment be? An hour possibly? and a half, two hours. Oh my. Yep. And today, just now, that was a two-hour treatment? I think we were done in an hour and a half, but I would have needed the extra half hour to to make a drawing because usually when I give a treatment I also see the person's energy in color and uh, and it's it's usually it's a flash so it's really like something that's at the moment so I, I want to make the drawing right away and how was it to have people peering there are little window lights on this on the roof and on the I would call it the nose or the head of this face. Yeah, yeah it does look and, like a nose. Yeah, kind of. It actually reminds me of something from a Miyazaki movie, you know, the Nausicaa? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, very cute. Or a Philip Guston painting, ah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Some flushing, bulbous space. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably the, this kind of... Um, uh, it's a form that exists in our mind. Absolutely, know? it does. But there were children and their families 
looking, peering into the window lights during the treatment yeah. I saw. So how was that? Just ignore them? Yeah. yeah, just Because they were very curious and people trying to peek behind the curtain. Yes, yes. I, as soon as you say that you can't do something, then everybody wants to do it. Yes. Well, I, I actually slipped my card under there, so I, I, I was one of those. Yeah, <laughs> no panic. I knew not to pull the curtain up, but yeah. I definitely didn't want to. Yeah, I figured that if you really want to uh, peek through the windows, then you know you're not going to really see or disturb. So you can just peek through the windows. Yeah. As long as you don't fall through. <laughs> so how many days will you be doing the this these treatments? Uh, I think it's going to be pretty much like two, three days out of the week, maybe. For the duration. For the entire duration, I I I'm going to take at least one week off because I want to go to Tierra del Fuego in Chile, and then another week. Uh, I'm actually uh, giving a course for architecture and art students about how to research sense of space. Oh, so that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, then, I did mention to our listeners that this biennial would be on till early December, so those of you who are heading to Brazil should be sure to sign... How would people know to sign up for your treatments? Because I would love to know how to reach you. I know the internet's not always good in this space, so I'm very lucky that our broadcast is, is maintaining it. Yeah, we're still kind of working on this, that how we should do it the best way. At the moment, it's, it's uh, the days that I'm there, uh, you can come and sign up for that day. The risk is that people, if, if they sign up for something a week from now, they just might not show up. Yes. Um, but I hope we can do some more... Something assistive. online. Yeah, something online yeah. or something because um, it is a commitment to yes, do it. it. That's yeah. the thing. Both parts. Yes. Yours and theirs. Yes. Yes, it is because an hour and a half, that's a long time or two hours. Yeah. It's a long time to yeah. devote yourself to it. But And it also has an impact. It's going to have an impact. I'm kind of thrilled about this idea. I'm I'm all for these sorts of experiences that take you outside the normal everyday. I mean, I I'm a practitioner of yoga and mm -hmm. meditation, but I there's always more you could do to to center yourself, and I think this sounds pretty fascinating to me. What do you think, listeners? Do you want to come over and have a treatment with Pia? You're most welcome. <laughs> Well, what have you seen um, at the biennial that was particularly striking to you? Other projects that, I mean, I mentioned a couple that I thought were in conversation with yours. Were there others that... Um I think there's so many. I, I think there's so much of the thinking that spans exactly the things that I'm interested in as well. Um, uh, different logic different forms of knowledge, traditional knowledges, indigenous knowledges, and also issues in, the, in terms of how we are treating uh, people who are trying to bring forth another kind of social, economic, and knowledge base. Um, and also how to have a dialogue with science and the politics of science in a way that I, I can't say any piece would not be important. I agree. I feel like all of it makes sense. There's some quieter... Uh, there are paintings. There are uh, 
there are straight photos. There are a lot of video, right? Installations. And uh, there's weaving and embroidery projects. Uh, there's an artist, Filipa Monjica, who I'm hoping to speak with tomorrow or Friday. We'll see. Who is doing a project with some embroiderers in one of the neighborhoods of Sao Paulo. Mm -hmm. And he's done these gorgeous tapestry pieces that are pretty amazing uh, sort of abstract paintings almost mm -hmm. or abstract compositions and they they're they fill a, a large space throughout they kind of mm. form partitions throughout the space and mm. it's pretty cool so and there's like there's information that is in in a form of reading but there's information in a form of meditation or being uh, like a tapestry of, of weaving is is kind of information also it is it is and then that woman draw who did the drawings very subtle where it's domestic uh, domestic spaces and domestic objects that suddenly have like elephants coming out of from behind the telephone or out of the toaster a, a, a jungle or who knows what of course I could represent something else <laughs> but I think it's pretty fascinating how there's the stillness and loud loudness, there's mm -hmm. the inside out, like your piece is communing with the garden, uh, the park, and Rachel Rose, her projection, you can see the park through her projection, so there's this interactive of nature, culture, that one piece that's about the imagination of an, arc, uh, of an astronaut, some narrative of an astronaut I think it's it's might be on the same floor as yours but mm -hmm. on the other sides you haven't had time to you, go well, I have everything. I have four months to look yes. at the show so <laughs> uh, that's very impressive that you get to be here that long yeah because that uh, most of the artists they just come and go but your project has been given uh, a really important uh, role to play throughout the biennial and that makes me even more happy that I'm speaking with you because <laughs> Other people can listen and 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 follow up after this and not feel like they missed something yeah. that I'm describing. Yeah, and I mean, what can I say? I, <laughs> it's like the 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 most difficult way to approach uh, contemporary art world is to insist on having a one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> but that's what I do. I, I want agree. to do one-on-one -on -one treatments. I know. Well, Marcos Lutyens, that does he does hypnosis, hyp hypnotic projects. I was thinking about him because I experienced two of his projects so far: one at Documenta, and one uh, in Istanbul on a boat floating next to an island. And he had a way of signing people up online for mm -hmm. the sessions, but it could only accommodate about 20 people total. Right. So sometimes it ends up being close to an individual session if no one's there but he's still doing it you yeah. know and he I think he he uh, did it for a month of the biennial he didn't he didn't do four months that's a big commitment on your part yeah so you're not teaching right now no I I, I took a, a sabbatical for these months tell me why um, you think your project was selected for an exhibition titled live uncertainty oh wow I I I I've, I've been asking it myself all the time, and whenever I talk to either Jochen or Lars, Lars Van Larsen, who's the curator who uh, I've been in dialogue with in, in coming here, 
um, they always make me feel like, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It totally makes sense. And it, yeah, they, they, they know what they're doing. And then I'm like, but do I? <laughs> do I know what I'm doing? Um, but I, I have to say that this environment with all these artists, amazing artists, and the thinking, the framework of this exhibition is just giving me all the strength and the sense in the world. So I'm, I'm not worried now when I see it working. Well, I just got a note that our listeners are loving our conversation. So I'm happy. Hi there, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening. We're happy to be broadcasting live from Jolt Radio, uh, based in Miami, but I've taken this broadcast system that fits in my backpack to Sao Paulo, and I'm recording live with Pia Lindman, uh, an artist from Finland who's be, who will be spending four months here doing bone-setting treatments, which is not meaning plaster and cast. It means realigning your body to fit your soul, is what I would maybe oh, describe yeah, it. Do you like that? Yeah, great way of saying it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we all don't know what our soul feels like, but maybe after one of her treatments, we'll understand yes. what our true alignment should be. I yeah. think that's pretty awesome as an opportunity. And I think you should fly here right now, everyone, <laughs> and just hang out until you can get your appointment with Pia. Thank you. Yes. You should. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we uh, would like to share with people here. I think what would be cool since, I mean, we're talking about you went, went home. For those who just tuned in, Pia has been in the U.S., Berlin, uh, Norway, and now she's back home in Finland. And when she got there, she found herself organizing her life in a new way and you actually founded some kind of eco-community yeah. in Finland. Where is that exactly? Um, it's uh, 70 kilometers west of Helsinki, the capital, on the coast, in the forest, uh, in a small village called Fagervik in Inko. Fagervik. Yeah, beautiful right. bay, basically. Mm. And uh, we are seven adults who got together and started... Uh, a company in order to be able to collectively buy up land and then collectively also build. So we're building together. Each is building, we're actually building five uh, homes and uh, then we are building together uh, communal spaces and uh, a, a, a sort of education slash treatment center. Most of the people that I'm uh, building this eco village with are uh, into uh, care, health, and art, and uh, ecological ways of making art. Um, we also want, we do, we do kitchen garden. We have like a quite big kitchen garden, and hopefully soon enough we'll also start farming. So we, we want to be self-sufficient also when it comes to food. That's quite ambitious. Yes, it is. And it's the rest of my life. It sounds like it the rest of your life that's that would be interesting to know what you're doing for the rest of your life I mean if it was something you're passionate about yes if we thought about the rest of our life and we thought we were just grinding on with what we're doing because we were we had to then that would be sad but Pia is super excited about her I, oh project yeah. and I think this is going to be 
amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it already is. I mean, so where are you living while you're building? Then are you? Oh, I have I, my house is almost finished, so I actually oh, live in it already. Oh, you're already living in the ha- yeah. in one of the houses. Yeah, it's a straw bale clay house, and uh, you maybe know that in Finland we can have winters that is minus thirty or even I more. Know. So pretty cold, uh, but these straw bale houses they are so well insulating uh, that. If it's a sunny day, I don't really need to even heat. But you have big windows. <laughs> I have, I have because pretty big, yeah, pretty big windows. Because I'm thinking windows let a lot of cold and heat in. So mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah. you need sun. Yeah, the sun, the sun is good. If it, if there's not sun, then I in the winter I definitely heat with firewood because we. I but mean, I mean, our bodies need sun too. Oh, oh that. Oh that. Exactly. <laughs> well, we have a lot of sun within ourselves. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, but it. Yeah. I. You know what? I really know this. I. I grew up in Finland, so I remember uh, when I was younger that every January, once the sun finally started to be there a little more, I was like, ah, oh, I survived another winter. But now I don't feel like that. Um, I'm fine. I'm fine with the winter. I love the winter, actually. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I was in Norway a few years ago, but in March, it was still ice and snow, uh, but it, it was somewhat sunny. Mm-hmm. It was still, I didn't know if I could do all year long. And of course, I live in Miami now. Mm-hmm. My tolerance is way down mm-hmm. for cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in case you haven't been listening from the beginning, I'm talking to Pia Lindman, an artist from Finland who has built, uh, who has designed and had locally constructed this it's a mud hut a mud hut but it's big it's it's bigger than the studio i live in okay except maybe not as high ceilings and uh it is made of mud or clay and bamboo it's actually mud and it is mud here okay the the practice here is mud and so she she forego the she forwent the clay in favor of mud yeah because in brazil they fabricate things with mud and bamboo. Yeah. And what's cool about her project is, and I'm recapping quickly, and I want her to, I mean, I, I'm sure there aren't always, maybe not everyone has heard our whole conversation because I think it's really fascinating. Her project actually has a relationship with the park outside the wall, and they've actually made a hole from her hut through the window or the wall into the outside and down into uh, it has a connection to the roots of a tree outside yes so we well we did the study days in Santiago Chile with Lars and Johan and uh, we met with uh, um, a biologist a mycologist called Juliana Fursi who has started Fondacion Fungi in Chile and um, is that Mushroom Foundation yeah. yeah And she spoke about the fact that each plant has their own particular mycorrhizas that uh, participate in the symbiotic relationship with the plant, exactly um, uh, transforming uh, soil into nutrients that the plant can use for their growth. And um, these mycorrhizas, of course, they have all different kinds of effects. And there's probably not enough knowledge out there, but I mean, I'm sure scientists know much more than I do, but um, these mycorrhizas form really the very foundation of any kind of uh, nutrient exchange in the world. And 
what's so interesting about it too is that they they are specific onto each plant so there there are so many of them there's such an amazing amount of them and um i just wanted to see that if i can and actually talking to juliana i also asked about what happens if i go and stand at a tree and i i know from um microbiologists that if i grab the leaves of a tree Mm-hmm. the tree senses it the cells in the tree react to my touch we know this we don't know what it means we don't know how conscious a tree is but we know that they react and so if i also grab the roots of the tree and the mucoriza of the tree what happens and then she just told me that oh but that means that you are participating in the energy cycle of the tree wow and and actually now the mud hut that i built um is literally grabbing the the leaves of the tree and the root of the tree outside so it becomes the mud hut is part of the energy cycle of the tree cool well do you know who just walked in yeah eduardo eduardo come because uh you you've met pia lindeman of course i i just think it's interesting for the last few minutes that we have on the show because i think your projects are actually in dialogue with each other don't you think with her conversation with the tree outside uh yeah i think there's a lot of points in common especially with the i nose as breathing in <laughs> breathing yeah. in the air from the, the tree the 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 energy from the tree yeah from the outside see he sees it as a nose as well <laughs> because she told me <laughs> but i think it's Yeah, there's uh, something about sucking air in. I'd love for you to recap your project a little bit today uh-huh. because some people might not have been listening yesterday. Uh, to okay. History has is in conversation oh, with okay. uh now they're working. Yeah. History is in conversation with uh, a palm tree. I mean a com- palm tree is is possibly in conversation with the visitors of this biennial. Kind of, yeah. Kind of. Um, well, the so to give like a visual description, it's just like um, the the park, the pavilions in a park, and the um, palm tree is just just right by the 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 pavilion. So um, this kind of ju- uh, huge trumpet or trombone is located on the top of the palm tree. So that huge uh, kind of uh, trumpet sucks in sound and then it as the um, instrument gets thinner and thinner through a pipe it so you can from the inside of the pavilion hear the palm tree and how it moves and how it's floating there in the middle of the air I guess Yes and yesterday you were talking about where we're waiting to for the palm tree to tell us its name Um yeah I like the idea that the palm tree doesn't know it's a palm tree so and we can apply that to anything almost at least not at least things that have not been made by man I think so um, since I'm trying to forget that it's a palm tree <laughs> uh, I think the work is about hearing the palm tree and communicating with some sort of with them with some sort of mystery that's out there that we kind of domesticated into a palm tree and then so hearing it is a way of allowing it to just be what it is if that's possible 
Super. Hmm. Well, I just love the interaction with nature in this exhibition, and that's what we've been talking about this hour. So I'm glad you stopped back by. <laughs> no, thanks for inviting me to join in suddenly. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I'm going to say, uh, say goodbye to P.S. I'm really happy that you were able to spend this time with me. Thank you very much for having me, and thank you for having such a deep interest in, in the issues. Thank you for listening to Fresh Art International, coming to you live from the Sao Paulo Biennial in Brazil. I'm Kathy Bird with the Fresh Art International show on Jolt Radio Miami. We hope you enjoyed today's conversations broadcast live from inside the exhibition pavilion of the 32nd Sao Paulo Biennial. Our guests were biennial artists Pia Lindman and Eduardo Navarro. Look for our weekly show on joltradio.org. Listen to our podcast on freshartinternational.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Android.